Welcome to the Resilience Rising podcast with me, your host, Jen Scottney. With the help of my guests, we will be getting curious about what resilience is, how we develop it, and the times we've used it. This podcast is here to explore all things resilience. Today, I'm talking to John Spender. John is a 36-time international best-selling co-author who didn't learn how to read and write at a basic level until he was 10 years old. He has since travelled to more than 65 countries, territories and started many businesses, leading him to create the best-selling book series, A Journey of Riches. He's an award-winning international speaker and movie maker. John worked as an international NLP trainer and coached thousands of people from various backgrounds through many challenges. From the borderline homeless to wealthy individuals, he has helped many people connect with their truth to create a life on their terms. John's search for answers to living a fulfilling life has taken him all over the world from the hills of San Diego to the forests of Madagascar, swimming with humpback whales in Tonga, exploring the Okavango Delta of Botswana and climbing the Great Wall of China. John also co-wrote and produced the movie documentary Adversity. He is also now a writing coach, having worked with over 400 authors from 40 countries for the A Journey of Riches series and his publishing house, Motion Media International, has published 32 non-fiction titles to date. Wow, John, you sound a really busy person. Thanks for coming on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Jen. I appreciate it. And, uh <laughs> always got something on the go it sounds like it and as I say I had no idea what country you were going to pop up in <laughs> for our call yeah that's, yeah that's what my mum tells me I don't know where you are <laughs> <laughs> just somewhere where it's sunny from the sounds of it <laughs> yeah, well, yeah nine <laughs> times out of ten there's going to be something a country that's warm that's for sure okay well it's not the UK right now <laughs> yeah I was there in summer and I was freezing um, I had like Solid shirts on. It was so cold, and I had a sweater, a sweater and a jacket. My friend goes, "You look ridiculous wearing all those collared shirts." I was just like, "You have no idea how cold it is, and it's like the longest day of the year." Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, we were declaring it a heat wave and <laughs> really happy. Yeah, like fourteen degrees. It was so cold. <laughs> Oh, so I'm so interested to talk to you about resilience. It sounds like this is something that you're really interested in too and have made made quite a career out of it. So so just starting with what what does resilience mean for you when I say that? For me it's it's what everyone loves. It's like the underdog story. It's the bounce back. You know, it's the you know, you get knocked down eight times and, and get up uh nine. Uh, you know, it's the Rocky, you know, series and, you know, when he's the odds are stacked against you and then you somehow triumph, you know, you find a way, you make adjustments and you do a course or a program or, you know, you go back to the basics and, you know, dedicate yourself to, uh, you know, getting up early and doing all the little things right. And I think it's just showing up each day no matter how difficult it is and staying true to your vision that you have for yourself. Oh, and where does this come from? Is this something that you have experienced in your own life? Have there been times? Oh, 
Well, I mean, I've never met, I mean, you're probably the same as well. I've never met a human being that doesn't have some form of story or experience of overcoming adversity, challenge, you know, creating resilience and fortitude in their life. Um, I think some people acknowledge it and recognise it and own it more than others, definitely. Um, But even the more modest, if you sit with them long enough and have a chat and ask the right questions, then you'll be astounded at what people overcome and the strength of the human spirit. And, you know, it's no different for myself. And, and I find that we're all equal emotionally. It doesn't matter what we go through. There are different levels of intensity for sure. But what may be, you know, a real severe challenge um, for me may not be a big challenge for you, but that doesn't make it any less of a challenge, you know what I mean? for the person that does find it challenging and difficult. And I find it's the same with, you know, trauma, you know, adversity, you know, that it's, it's each individual is going to handle it differently. And so I'm not sure if I answered your question, but I actually didn't learn how to read and write a basic level until I was like nine, ten years of age in a developed country like Australia. So that was challenging. There was a lot of shame around that. You know, am I good enough? You know, I, I guess I'm stupid. And just adopting an identity that was very disempowering and uh, was hard, hard to overcome. And then I, you know, I experienced, um, you know, emotional, physical, and sexual abuse, uh, which was difficult to come to terms with later on in life rather than then you kind of, you know, as an adolescent or as a, a young child, a young boy. I just, you just get on with life. You just make the, the most of what you have and, you know, the environment that you find yourself in. But it was later on in life, you know, after suppressing those aspects of myself and then, then coming up, you know, in, I had an, a, a drug addiction in 2000. It came to the forefront in 2000 and I, I really addressed it that year, 99, 2000. And um, I'd lost a, a business that I had and it was doing really well. Uh, on the outside, but internally, I was suffering. You know, and the pressure of that business, uh, it just, you know, enabled me to, it cracked me right open, enabled me to look in, you know, what were some of the unloved aspects of myself that I wasn't expressing or wasn't acknowledging and, you know, just wanting to lock those aspects of myself into, you know, closet and never open that door you know and build a brick wall around it and then what happened was you know those aspects of myself started to rot and seep out through the cracks and you know the smell got so bad i had to address it you know what i mean it was obviously it was coming from me so i had to deal with it oh oh how long was that process so you said that was um was it 2000 so has it been 20 years of uncovering and working and healing from that well i think it's that's a really that's a difficult question to answer you know where i really came conscious of it um that those events uh, you know happened in my life uh, they came it came in stages so different events you know because i had suppressed them so much they didn't all come up at once it was, you know, different ones that came up that I needed to deal with. Um, and, yeah, I would say, yeah, I don't know if, you ever, if, I've, if, I, if I'm completely healed from those mm. aspects. I think I'm just 
more okay with those things that happened and, uh, you know, those things don't rule me anymore that I'm able to actually have dominion over those events. Um, But, you know, if I was still to go in and write about it, when I still go in and write about these events and or if I talk about them, yeah, each time there's something still there that I'm able to come, you know, the wound, the pain, um, the shame, the grief is still there on a level, but it's not as overpowering as it once was, mm. you know, and the more I think about it and share it, the less shame. You know, shame needs, you know, a closed environment to thrive. It needs suppression to thrive. Um, so the more open we are, the more we commu- communicate, you know, about aspects that we're not so, that, that's really vulnerable for us, we're not so proud of, they're the aspects that create the most connection with others, actually, um, believe it or not. And it makes us, that's when we're at our most human. Mm-hmm. We're at that, that level of vulnerability and how it takes courage to face that and to speak about that. And uh, that certainly has been the case for, for me. And the more I speak and hear about it, then the easier it gets. Yeah. I think it's really valuable to hear that it is often that lifelong journey, because I suppose what I found problematic with that bouncing back is it feels like, okay, you've had a setback and now you've got to turn it to your advantage. Everything's great. Don't even think about it in a negative way anymore. And it can be a bit messier than that, can't it? It was definitely way messier than that. And it wasn't a, like a straight line. There was <laughs> like when I was, I started taking like I needed like the whole um, self-development thing and uh, I started to take that really, I started to take that seriously around 2002, but it wasn't until 2010 I took it really seriously and uh, I stopped using recreational drugs completely uh, in 2010. So I've been, clean since 2010 from any recreation substances at all which i'm very proud of um, because it was something that just i don't know was just always lingering around and you know i could go out to a party and i it wouldn't no, it no longer led to like a four or three day bender um but it was still you know using those substances you know maybe just one evening or something uh, but just to go cold to to actually shut that door completely in 2010 was huge for me. And Mm -hmm. that was like an epiphany, like was an epiphany. I was looking in the mirror, I was washing my nose, cleaning the cocaine up out of my nose, and I looked in the mirror. I didn't like what I saw. You know, I despised that person. I despised what I was doing, and but it was like I couldn't get enough of it, you know, but I didn't like. I knew that there was was a better, uh, I knew I was capable of so much more. And that's what I wanted to focus on. That's what I want to bring out. So 2010 was a really transformative year. I sold that business that I had. It was a landscaping business. Moved into coaching, speaking and writing and and that journey. I've been on that journey now since 2010. You're still on that journey. It sounds... (laughs) Yes. I'm still uh, helping others do the same. Yeah. So tell me about the journey of riches and because that's focused a lot on other people's stories, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, Journey of Riches started in 2015. Uh, the idea, I actually came from a mentor because I was teaching NLP um, for a US company based in Bali, Ubud, but running trainings throughout Southeast Asia, mostly in Singapore. Um, but I, I actually had a coaching practice, an office in Sydney 
and I just put the clients on hold for a few months, but I wanted to actually have a business where I could, you know, uh, be anywhere in the world. And uh, in the early days, it was actually through Skype. So this is, uh, yeah, pre-Zoom days. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't as efficient as Zoom, I can assure you. And the, the Wi-Fi coverage in a lot of developing countries um, wasn't as good as it is today. And so it was like the wild, wild west going from, you know, different internet cafes. And so, um, yeah, that's sort of how I, I got started. But I'm not, am I, sorry, am I answering the question? I feel like I'm Yeah, well. just tell us what it is. Did it start uh, as, as writing? Well, yes. So, uh, so what was the question again? Just so so it was sure. just um, explaining the ge- a journey of riches, how that started and what it was. So the writing of a journey of riches. Okay, cool. Yeah, so it started in 2015. The idea was 2013. Um, but, yeah, 2015 was the first book was, was launched. Um, and I swore after the first book that I'd never do another one again. And uh, <laughs> I was like, How no, many is that I, now? <laughs> Are we on like 18? 34 is a series. <laughs> uh, creating resilience. And so, yeah, it was like kind of like the idea that wouldn't go away. And the same, you know, with the first book that I published. Um, I actually published with one other writer. But that was a whole long story. There's just... Yeah, I find it hard to focus on one point because the the stories interweave into each other, and you know it wasn't you know yes the first book was released, but there was so much that went behind the scenes of that as well. Um, but yeah, now thirty four books, more than four hundred collaborations from uh, more than fifty countries around the world. So it's really taken on a life of its own. And what is it that you're doing with, with your work, but also through that? Is this sharing other people's stories of overcoming adversity? And, well, you tell me. Yeah, yeah. So it's a whole bunch of different topics, but mostly overcoming adversity, building resilience, mindset, motivation, inspiration, change, challenge, choice, all those sort of topics. Um, that are pertinent for everyone, that, you know, we all go through changes, we all go through challenges, we need to make choices at different times. Um, and, you know, we all have, you know, one of the books is trend, uh, from Wounds to Transform Your Life from Wounds to Wisdom. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, healing, power of healing is another one. Creating resilience, I think, is, you know, it's an underrated topic that doesn't get enough of the spotlight, I feel. The resilience is... I think so often it's easy to get caught up in victimhood and um, that woe is me and we all have been there and um, some stay longer than others. And I find the quicker that you can, that I can get out of, you know, when I go through something, I can get out of that, oh, my God, like, I mean, I'm a victim here. The quicker I can get out of that, then, you know, I can pretty much turn it around, you know, and turn that turn that a, a challenge and adversity into a blessing, into a gift, you know, and able to actually leverage it for the benefit that actually it is, you know, being able to calibrate the experience, that every experience has an you know, equal or greater opposite to it. Oh, it sounds fantastic. And now I'm going to ask you how we do that. <laughs> We're high, high, high. There's, there's three well, easy steps, isn't there, that I can just follow. <laughs> Well, that's right. Well, the first, you, uh, yeah. <laughs> you want to see for what it is and not for worse than what it is. So you want to be able to calibrate the experience. You want to confront and face it. 
you know, not hide away from it, that you are more than capable. Because I feel that, you know, when adversity strikes, when things happen that are unexpected, one of the first things I used to do was just hide and curl up in a ball and like, you know what I mean? Not literally a lot of the times, but like action-wise and not face it and kind of like, you know, do just, I don't know, it'll take care of itself. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sometimes that's the case, but most of the time it's not, but it needs urgent attention and, you know, having the knowledge and the experience that I have now, I know that, you know, any challenge, adversity comes my way, even if it's unexpected, um, that I'm actually capable of rising above it. And I feel like having that belief within yourself, you know, and that just comes with experience. Having a, a daily morning routine, you know, doing things that you can control before you know you start your normal uh, work workday routine um, you know, before you check your phone before you do anything else you know do you have a morning practice that really gets you in touch with you and that has been a huge game changer for me I haven't missed a day of my morning routine over I, I track and measure it as well um, so I can actually you know, I've got all the different data I'm a bit of a, a nerd with statistics and stuff like that but it's been almost 1400 days without missing my morning routine and I just and what that does that, value, that what does that morning routine look like yeah so it's uh, made up of some form of meditation breath work or chakra work mm-hmm. um, some form of um, reading um, self-healing Reiki I like different aches and just put your hands, you know, and do those different aches on my body. I'll do that. Um, yoga is a huge part of my morning. Um, is yeah, and so that those are the main aspects, you know. And then I'll do some form of exercise during the day. Um, okay, yeah. I'm quite relieved at that. I thought we were going to be getting up at three a.m. for gym <laughs> and things um, like that. But <laughs> no, I didn't get up quite early though. I'm quite. It's. Um, it's Often I'm on the yoga mat by six. Okay, that's okay. But but what you're saying is that this isn't for everybody. This is your practice that works for you and people can find their own practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Something that it gets you in touch with the true essence of who you are. You know, do you believe that you're more than this body? You know, it really is just a need suit. The more that I feel that you do some self-exploration, that there is some, there's more than you to your thoughts. There's more than... You know, to there's more to us than our emotions. You know, are, are you able to be the observer of your thoughts and the feel of your emotions uh, and tap into that person? You know, mm-hmm. uh, that higher part of yourself. And for me, it's you know, I have you know a lengthy routine. You know, it's easy. You know, a couple of hours before I start my day. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm in the rush, it might be an hour, but it's so rare that that happens. Yeah, uh, you know, traveling or something. But I'll actually then do it throughout the day and say affirmations and I find I've got to remind myself all the time I find it's like you know um you know just basic decorum of brushing your teeth and having a shower when it should also incorporate some form of exercise and mind food for the mind and soul so some form of meditation activity and then some mental stimulation either through reading for me I, I read it every day uh, I also publish books so it's kind of my job as well. Yeah. yeah, whatever it is for you, that lays a foundation. So if you've got a foundation already, I can I can lean on my morning routine. You know what I mean? Especially if shit's really hit the fan. 
you know, maybe your father's passed away unexpectedly and it's just left a huge hole in your heart and you just want to go out on a bender and drink and go back to some old habits. Well, that's when, you know, I double down on my routine more than anything. You know, that's when I know I've got to do my hour and a half of yoga, you know, 20 minutes meditation, you know, balance my chakras out because, you know, I've got a hole in my heart, you know, literally. And, you know, I had that recently happen when my dad just, you know, he died. Uh, and it's, it's like a, you know, part of you is dead inside. And so just having to be there, you know, with myself and so I don't go back to old habits and patterns, which can be easy to do when, you know, something just spins us out of orbit. Um, you know, it's like those old comfy things. Maybe it's, you know, comfort food, donuts or whatever it is that you know is not good for you, but it's kind of like a go-to when you've been whacked out of orbit. orbit. Um, and so that's when I double down on my routine and really go with it in more than anything else. You know, feel the pain. I feel the more disciplined um, I am, the more I delay gratification and the more I actually create my own little mini adversities through an audacious goal, you know, something that seems unachievable, have cold showers, you know, create little challenges and discomfort through my life, uh, throughout my day, uh, then it builds, you build little mini wins, little mini resilience. And resilience is a muscle, so is courage. You know what I mean? And it's not, you know, courage is you acting in spite of fear and it's the same with resilience you, you know things aren't going your way but you show up and you do what you say you're going to do because that's what you know your, your vision and that's what your highest self has called you to do so no matter what happens it you know is take sometimes you might need to take a little bit of a break from that but you know it's still showing up for, at least for yourself and for me that's a morning routine no matter what that's a negotiable other things, yeah, you got to be there for a funeral and be there for your family and travel and um, to be there or whatever it was the case for me. But I still did my morning routine was a concert all the way through that. Um, and I find that that's like you, you've got to have a base and a foundation that's healthy, that's a healthy coping mechanism. Whereas I find most people have a whole bunch of negative coping mechanisms some that they're aware of and some they have no idea until, you know, they're spun out of orbit and it's not their fault and it's not their fault, you know. But are you telling yourself an empowering story is another good one. You know, what are you investing your identity in? You know, and if you we're going to tell ourselves a story, you might as well make an empowering one. And so people's stories are true, especially disempowering ones, but don't stay there. Don't keep staying that story over and over to yourself. And I find that, you know, we all get caught in that at different times and having that awareness. And so, again, having that foundation cultivates that awareness within me, you know, that morning routine, that meditation. So I'm more aware when those little things crop up um, that I'm, okay, I've just got a course correct here, got a course, especially when things are going against me. That's when you need it the most. And so... Yeah, this is really helpful. Thank you, John, because you're giving us something. First of all, we start with that way that we can face adversity when it's happening. But also now you're saying that there's things that we can do when things are a bit calmer, when we're not in that crisis, in that 
eye of the storm. So we've got that we can have these morning routines that are or, or routines, whatever fits in for us, but these grounding practices and spiritual practices, perhaps. And then also you've talked about like creating adversity. So those mini adversity, what what sort of things other than cold showers can we look at for that? Cold showers is a good one because it's so easy and everyone's got a shower, you know, and so that's a real good one. Uh, that's one that most people want to sh- shrink away from, but that is, you know, it's so empowering. So that's a really good one. And, yeah, getting up an hour earlier than you normally get up, you know, getting up an hour early than you normally get up is another good one. Things that are just uncomfortable that you know that if you did them that you'd be a little bit better off. You know, if you do a little research on cold showers, I mean, there's so much benefit that comes out of that circulation, um, you know, muscle soreness uh, relief. The body is uh, strengthening the immune system. And so, um, yeah, I find that, yeah, sticking to like a, a plan. Maybe you do, uh, maybe you've got like this thing where you're like, you know what? I, I know I eat too much sugar, I eat way too many uh, desserts, so I'm going to do 30 days, 30 days of no no sugar. And that's actually quite challenging to do because a lot of things have sugar in them. And so, you know, just cleaning just and do that for 30 days. So just little things like that. Maybe you want to, you know, I think it should be aligned with, you know, what you value, your values are, and what you want to do um, with your life. So maybe it's, you know, you want to do a podcast, but you're terrified of public speaking. And so maybe join a Toastmasters group or, you know, 15 live videos, 15 days straight, you know, and just create these little mini adversities that when you achieve them, then you're, you're actually enhanced at skill that's a benefit to you and your vision and your mission moving forward. So overcoming that little bit of fear and finding that courage, that sounds like something that you're advocating is going to help us. Hell yeah. Get out of your comfort zone. Vote yourself off the island. Jump. Don't hit <laughs> Stop hitting. Jump straight out of bed. I mean, bad habits are like a warm bed. They're easy to get into and hard to get out of. <laughs> I was and just thinking that when you were saying about these unhelpful ones. I was like, but they're so comfortable. <laughs> I know. You know, it was, it's, yeah, it, you're so, try doing the opposite and you're just so thankful. Oh, my God. If you sit, if you just do what you say you're going to do throughout the day, day in, day out, that just builds and builds and builds. And, you know, and when adverse, when a really intense uh, adversity would normally just knock you for sick, you know, you're able to actually cope and manage because you're doing these little mini adversities and that, you know, the benefit. And I think it's mind, body, spirit. You know, I feel we, meditation and inner work is nurturing the spirit, you know, reading, researching doing courses and programs definitely for the mind and then doing some sort of practice that's you know, either like a walking, a yoga, or, you know, a martial art or something that's going to be good. Your, your body's going to thank you. So. Oh, thank you. And is there anything else? You mentioned that you'd had a whole book about cultivating resilience and I just wondered if there was anything else in there that we haven't spoken about yet. Well, well, the Creating Resilience is the name of the book, um, and that's the, the latest book in the Journey of Riches series. So there's 12 different authors in that book. 
uh, and it's an outstanding read. And there's uh, building um, resilience through grief. You know, um, losing one of the authors lost her little brother. Uh, he was no, I'm not, two, two. He was two, two years old, and she was uh, I think five or six. And that was quite a traumatic thing for her. Um, so, you know, having a daughter that was diagnosed with diabetes, type 1 diabetes, you know, having to, you know, a whole change of life and, and what that meant for her and how her dad helped her daughter create resilience and, you know, belief within herself and her strength and inner strength. Um, there is, was a, uh, a diagnosis of testicle cancer and deal, dealing with that. Um, so there's a really lot of intense things that people, the authors, the various authors share and how they overcame that. Um, and then these authors are from all around the world. So from Denmark, Norway, UK, Australia, US, and so, uh, also Nepal, you know, the author from Nepal, he survived the earthquake in 2015 and he was part of the relief, one of the relief teams that were going out into remote areas. And helping these people, and it's quite an extraordinary share of you know, how do you actually then, how does life look after you've lost everything? You know, maybe some family members and rebuilding. Um, so that was a very insightful read. So there's, there's something in this book, there's something for everyone, and it's just, you know, 12 different insights and takes of, you know, going through something adverse that on the other side of that created resilience and was a benefit to the person that I would actually leverage that experience for the greater good of, for themselves and the people around them, which is, uh, I find that super inspiring. I never get tired of those stories. I'll put the link to that in the show notes, but it sounds like when you were talking about our ways that we can cult- um, create resilience and about what we're consuming and those stories, it sounds like, this is so valuable to you to share these stories. And do you believe that the more that we can talk about resilience and see what other people have overcome, does that help foster a sense of resilience in ourselves? A hundred percent. Yeah. Listening to podcasts like this one, resilience podcast, it's huge because, you know, every time, anytime we go through something that really is challenging for us, then you know, it's so easy to pull into that victim mentality that I'm the only one going through this. No one else really understands unless you've experienced the exact same thing as me and, well, your situation wasn't as bad as mine or that's when you know you're heading in the wrong direction and you need to recalibrate. Start listening to some podcasts, getting outside of your comfort zone, reading some books, um, you know, signing up for something that, you you know, maybe you was terrified you've been putting on the back burner. Maybe it's a public speaking course or maybe it's learning how to ride a horse or doing something out of the ordinary for you um, that's going to help you. It'll help you manage your your current resilience, your current challenge, and it'll help you build resilience. Doing something. (laughs) Just taking action is so helpful in so many (laughs) situations. And it can be as simple as listening to a podcast. You know, mm-hmm. while you're sitting in traffic, you know, reading a book while you're in the in the in the bank queue or you know in the um, shopping queue or whatever, you know, reading it on your Kindle or you know, just getting it in, you know, where it's like no extra time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you you just there's little filler gaps in your normal day, 
um, that you could be listening to a podcast or reading a book or um, talking to you know colleagues and friends um, about different ways that they overcome challenges and adversity. And I've heard you talk about the importance of living life to the fullest. I think you said that a, an enemy of a fantastic life is just having a good life. <laughs> I like, yeah, do you feel like a lot of us are settling for a good life because it's easy? <laughs> uh, I think 100%. I mean, we're so addicted to um, comfort, to ease uh, and convenience. And, you know, you, you take uh, most people out of some sort of comfort, some sort of routine that they're used to, um, you know, that could even be you just driving the same way to and from work. You know, if you tell someone, no, you've got to take a dip, find a different way to get there other than your normal route, well, if you don't have maps, then chances of that happening might be slim, you know, and that's something really simple and easy. And I find it's, yeah, uh, there's something in your life right now that you've always wanted to do and you're not doing it. And so my challenge to you would be to start doing that thing. And maybe it's, and I'm a huge advocate of baby steps. You know, maybe it's just reading about it and research about it to begin with. You know, and then talking to other people that have done that or know other people that have done that. You know what I mean? And just lean into it, lean into it. And maybe it's just showing up to one class and you just watch, you know, if it's like a martial arts that you've always wanted to do or I guarantee there's something in your life that you've always wanted to do and for whatever reason you're not doing it. And at the start I think you, you'd said something about your, your true vision and having that as part of your resilience. Is this what you're talking about, having, um, yeah, that, that vision of what it is that you want to do? Well, a perfect example um, just recently um, that I've just finished the movie, the movie documentary about the gift in adversity. The film's called Adversity. As Scott Jack Canfield, Michael Bernard Beckworth, Dr. John D. Martini, a whole bunch of other thought leaders um, that are, you know, quite uh, well known in, in personal development circles. And so I just finished that film. Now, I had that idea in that, for that film in 2015, the end of 2015. Um, at the same time I published the first book, I thought that'd be great to have that as a film. And I was like, I don't know how to make a film. And the idea wouldn't go away. Uh, And I've been working on it. It took like years just to film everyone. Um, And I just finally finished. I've got the beta version. It's done. It's it's done. And it's ready to show the talent at least and a few of the beta um, viewers that I've got earmarked um, to get some feedback. But that was just something that I had no idea where to begin, you know what I mean? And so that's the type of thing I'm talking about, that when you have an idea or a vision, an inspiration, but it scares you to act. Because you know what? We're, you know, the, the, ord- the ordinary and even some of the bad, shitty things that we go through, we're much more comfortable dealing with that than actually stepping into our greatness, stepping into our power, stepping into our light, Stepping into things that, you know, would really bring us a lot of light, light and love and zest um, and empowerment, that they're things that we don't do, we're afraid of. And, I, you know, I'm no different, you know, and with those, the more you can do those things and challenges that inspire you and things that really set 
a spark to your soul, then your life's going to be so much better for it. You know what I mean? No one gets out of life alive and the safer you want to play it, then you know what? If you're addicted to certainty and routine, life is going to create storms. It's going to create disasters in your life so you can grow. You're never going to stay the same. And life is going to make sure of that. I can guarantee it. There's no one that goes through life in a straight line, you know, <laughs> unless you're dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so little mini universities, doing that thing that you know that I'm what I'm talking about, that you've been putting off for a very long time, you just, there's this, such, this knowing, in nagging knowing that if you do that thing, that your life is going to go in a whole other like a for the better in an upper trajectory and it's just doing that thing and yeah I I couldn't agree more and 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 similar when I started the podcast I I had no idea what I was doing I just worked backwards with the steps and and got there in the end and I I wondered like you talked about that kind of almost self-sabotaging that that fear of of um of stepping into that power but also I think that I hear that people have a and certainly me in the past have had this fear of failure oh I'm going to look stupid or I'm just it's not going to work and I just wondered if you've had that and if that's something that again you you move through quickly or how you cope with the the fear of failure Okay, well, I in 2011 I signed up well 2000 end of 2010 I signed up for a Hay House cruise and it it, it basically embarked um, beginning of 2011 and it went through the Caribbean and it was all Hay House. So it was different Hay House workshops and I did the writing workshop with the intention of writing a book and I caught up with a friend just before I left and told her, you know what, I'm going to write this book in two weeks and, you know, it's, and then it's going to fly off the shelves. And she kind of looked at me she's like, John, like it can take like years to write a book. I got friends that it take, took her three years to write and publish her first book. You're telling me you're going to write it in two weeks? And I'm like, yeah, you'll see. I'll show you. <laughs> oh my god! You know, soon because that's this is another benefit of creating little mini adversities. Um, and if you've ever been to like a theme park or something, and those have the the clowns where you put the balls in their mouth, um, or you've got to throw like darts and and get the balloon or shoot ducks, yep. and you get a prize. There's also this one where you've got this little hammer and you've got these things that pop up out of the holes and you, <laughs> as, as many as you can hit, if you hit five, you get a prize or something and something like that. When you create like an audacious goal and get outside your comfort zone, these little things, these fears, self-doubt, self-sabotage patterns, you know, limiting beliefs pop up um, and you don't see them. It's when you get outside your comfort zone that they pop up that have always been there. Um, but it's not until you start challenging yourself. And so you need to overcome those things to actually then be the person that can do that goal or live that vision, you know what I mean? And so that is why it's so advantageous to have a vision and a goal for your life. And so for me, was writing that book, you know, and so on that Hay House cruise, every time I went to write, there was a little nagging voice that popped up that I had no idea. All of a sudden it became more important to, you know, Clear the, clean the apartment, you know, or <laughs> rearrange the curtains or vacuum or do the dishes or answer that email that I hadn't looked at in two weeks 
that was, you know, wasn't taking me any step further to completing my ball. Um, but one thing I don't do is give up. And so it did take me along. That was 2011. And then I decided I finished speaking that book actually at the end of, at the beginning of 2012. And so it took me about a year. Uh, and I had the, the I had the transcription ready. Uh, so it was on the dictaphone. And I'd been to a uh, Toastmasters convention speaking contest thing. And I came home late and I, I'd gone up the top of the stairs. And I was like, oh, shoot, I've left the dictaphone in my pickup. I just thought, you know what, I'll go and get it in the morning. And I went down in the morning and there was all glass over the road. <gasps> so I actually smacked the red corner panel window and had taken the, the, the manuscript, the dictaphone. And so I lost that completely gone. And, and then I, I got a laptop. I, my background was in construction, um, so very, like, hands-on. And so learning how to type, I was, like, doing one thing of typing. My friend was like, it's going to take you, like, 10 years to write this book. To Is type. this the same friend that was <laughs> laughing at you saying it would be two weeks? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the same friend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually quite encouraging, but, it, you know, it just – highlighted a problem that I needed to correct. Uh, so my sister got me this software that taught me how to type. Um, it was kind of like a game format. Um, and so I did that. And then I my, actually I didn't know how to save files properly. And so I only had two chapters to go in that book and I didn't save it properly and my computer mm -hmm. crashed. And so I lost that manuscript. And mm -hmm. that, was, uh, that was at the end of 2012. And around about the same time, and this opportunity opened up to run NLP trainings in Southeast Asia for the U.S. company of living in Sydney. And so, you know, I just put the writing thing on the back burner, uh, did that. It, went up, it was meant to be a three-month contract, turned into six. Then I hired the mentor and she helped me move my coaching practice online. And then she said, well, rather just be a coaching program that you're going to launch, why don't you have a book that's a part of it? And that's how the journey of riches got uh, series got started. So yeah, that took me a good while. Um, and so I had the idea to write the book in twenty, probably in a twenty ten, and then I published the, had my first published work in twenty fifteen. So five years oh. of trial and tribulation. <laughs> well so, done. Uh, <laughs> Look, if I'm yeah. if, if I'm like writing an Instagram post and then Instagram crashes I, I can't even be bothered to rewrite it so <laughs> I'm very impressed that you I, persevered yeah, through that but, but, you know what Jen I think it comes from you know though I didn't learn how to read and write at a basic level I didn't feel I could express myself I couldn't tell you how I was feeling let alone to actually express from a vulnerable place um, and now that I have that ability and I actually help other people do the same it's super empowering to me because that was a huge void in my life um, that was a source of a lot of shame, of a lot of self-loathing and self-doubt and, you know, I'm not enoughness came from that. So now that to be, you know, the source of the opposite of that, mm. you know, that's now the source of where a lot of my certainty comes from, where a lot of my belief and a lot of my uh, self-esteem comes from is the very thing that actually was like what was taking it away you know what i mean so it's like can you actually take that thing in your life that's giving you so much uncertainty and so much pain and trauma can you make that the best thing that ever happened to you
And I, that's what the movie's about. That's what the books are about. And you mentioned vulnerability there. And I know that one thing that comes up a little bit is this idea of a resilient person and they're, they're tough and they're not showing emotions. And I just wondered if that was something people that you worked with had that preconception, if that's something that you had in the past and how, yeah, how important it is for us to show our vulnerabilities in terms of resilience. Yeah, I feel it's a huge strength. The more, if you're in a vulnerable place and you're expressing from that place, then the right people will come in. It's kind of like moths to a flame. You know, you'll never be alone if you open up and share from the heart. Really, you'll be held in ways you can't even imagine. And it's having that courage and that belief and just taking those little steps. You know, if you don't like sharing your story then, and if you're a man and you were told that, you know, if you long, if you weren't tough and, um, you, you know, you weren't, you know, solo like some men or whatever you were told, then maybe it's going to a men's circle or, you know, and, and just taking little steps or reading books of how other men have opened up and expressed their feelings. You know, it's maybe you've got like some sort of, um, you know, health issue or something and, uh, you know, it's doing something that can help nurture nurture and express, you know, that vulnerability and, and in circles of people that are going through the same sort of thing. So there's a lot of online forums nowadays and Facebook groups where you can actually be around people that are going through similar things to yourself. Um, yeah, so there's a way out there. It's a superpower. It mm. really is. Same with sensitivity. And I find that they're suppressed. You know, we get that suppressed, you know, in, our, uh, in everyone. And, you know, I think the more vulnerable, then uh, the greater connection you're going to have in your life, the more vulnerable we can be. Mm, authentic connections isn't it healthier more resilient because you're open you know a mind that's open to everything and close to nothing can really is a is a solution orientated mind and it's the solution orientated then you know you'll find a way you really will and then hopefully you'll be able to reach back and help other people do the same mm. i feel it's beauty you know and you've clearly traveled a lot um, I mentioned some, some of the very yeah. few countries. And I just, uh -huh. I just wonder, you must have come across such diverse communities on your travels. And, and is the themes that we've been talking about, are they universal across the world in all cultures? Have you come across anything different when you've been traveling? In not at all. And not even in like tribes or anything like that. You know, a lot of the tribes that have a rite of passage, you know, the Aboriginals like the Nokututhal or you scar the chest. Uh, you know, in African tribes, it's, you know, maybe it's to kill your first cow or um, there is these rites of passage that have been through civilization, civilization through time. They get outside our comfort zone. They actually, we have to claim our power uh, and our strength. And so, um, you know, I find it's very universal. You know, the people are people. Uh, people are inherently good, and what I've seen, people want to be of value. They want to be of service. Unless they're, you know, they're in, they're hurt or they're in pain, then it's a different story. Then it's, you know, when you're in that hurt and pain, if you're not aware of it, then it's easy to project onto other people, you know, and act it out, and then to be, you know, an ego response, and you know, and that can just keep going on and on and on until 
you know, and that can be generational as well until someone says, you know what, I'm going to do something about it. You know, it may not be my fault, the things that I went through, but it's my responsibility for how I'm showing up and how I'm responding to different things that are happening in my life. There really is no one can do it for you. And the more that you were able to be responsible, be, 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 have some sort of self-discipline doing the things that we know our future self is going to thank us for, you, you're going to be happier. Happy, happiness is a well, you know what I mean? I find that it's not, you know, I find the more it's in external things, then it's more fleeting. The more it's in things that are building value and um, building strength within us, then it's kind of like a wellspring that just fills us throughout the day, every day. You know, and I feel that that's what a morning routine does for me because yeah. there are things I can't control. But every day, there's, I'm going to be hit, you're going to be hit with things that aren't in your control, and you know you can allow it. You've got two choices. You can spin you out of orbit, and that can be the reason why you had a crappy day, or that can be the reason why you focus uh, on the things that you know that are actually going to benefit you in the future mm-hmm. and your loved ones and your family. And, you know, when we win, we take a lot of other people with us. Um, and so, yeah, it's just getting that what's that thing for you, you know. Yeah. And I feel it's, you know, it's a yearning, it's a calling, and it's something that, normally terrifies us you know it's that cave you know joseph campbell talks about it's the darkest cave that we fear to enter but that's the one that will set us free you know that's where the gift is it's in the darkest place that we fear the most and it's generally our potential oh and you said that we we have to do it ourselves but i feel like with you going through this you're helping us i might not be doing the work but you're definitely providing us i hope with years of shortcuts we can well, yeah, focus on I mean, what's working like, yeah it's books that's the film as well um and it's just filled with yeah it's filled with wisdom it's filled with also um stories and experiences that empathize with you know the strength of the human spirit and you know the 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 yin and yang of that. Um, and I feel that that's important, that, you know, you're not going through it alone. There's other people that empathise what you're going through and, that you know, willing to, they're cheering you on. You know, there is, you've got to get the cheerleaders in your life, you know, hang around the cheerleaders. And sometimes that's, that's in a book, you know what I mean? And it's just like, oh, my God, this chapter feels like it's just been written for me. You know, maybe it's in a podcast, you know, that you listen to every week. That's your cheer squad, you know, and um, I know when I was going through some challenging times, um, you know, I find transitions very difficult, transitions in career and because you, you've got to change skill set. You've got to level up. You've got to learn a whole new skill set. And so the one I went from landscaping to writing, speaking um, and coaching was a huge one for me. And one of my resources, I was part of a coaching program that I invested in myself. And that was huge. That was every week that I showed up for that, even though a lot of times I was terrified. Um, I did the home place, you know, the different things that the head coach recommended. I did those. And they were really, some of those things were terrifying. Uh, I remember my first speaking engagement was at Mission Australia. And I was, I don't know, like the words yes came out of my mouth before I could actually pull them back in, (laughs) that I would teach NLP at their their centre. And I was just learning it myself. You know, um, but no one else knew that. And I was just teaching them basic strategies 
that I was just learning myself and I was solidifying it in me and creating a benefit for them. So I feel that, yeah, the more, you know, we're creatures of habit and, you know, I'm no different. I love creating little pockets of comfort. But also one of the things of living nomadic and living around every three months or so is it takes me out of my comfort zone. And I've got to reacclimate and readjust and, you know, make new friends and socialize. And there are things that, are, you know, I, um, I, cha- I, I find challenging at different times, you know. And so uh, that's something that recently I've been dealing with. And the loneliness that can come with that as well uh, when, you know, I you know, take myself out of these situations. No, I don't know anyone in a lot of these countries at different times. And so that can bring up a lot of uh, loneliness for me. Uh, and I'm getting a lot better at that. Um, and even when I was so out of my comfort zone, I was just recently uh, wrapping up and editing with a film and I had to lease a place, uh, you know, a different island from where I'm staying at now in Thailand. And I was out of my comfort zone, but I was just leaning on my morning practice and spending more time. And I was noticing you know, there was an inclination to lean towards junk food. I was like, no, no, don't have that. Or overeat, eat two lunches instead of one, you know. Um, so just noticing different things that I do when I'm out of my comfort zone and, and stuff and just course correcting a little bit more. Yes. Oh, that's really helpful to hear, especially because your lifestyle would be so far out of my comfort zone. So at the moment, I'm just moving house. I've lived in the same house for 14 years and that's enough out of my comfort zone. So I mean, it's just going back to checking in what's what's appropriate for us. I don't need to sell all my possessions and go traveling around the world, do I? Um, there's en- enough on my doorstep, on new doorstep to get into new comfort zone, um, get out of my comfort zone. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's about creating a life that's good for you and and challenging yourself, that's a good, healthy challenge for you. Like your next step, what's your next step that's a bit of a stretch for you, you know? Well, what's that big thing that you're just terrified of doing that you know that you have, you've got to, you'd be so much better for, you want to. And there's different ways you can do, you know, setting up, having like accountability, you know, with these books especially. You know, I'm publishing other people's stories as well. Um, or if I'm publishing with one other author, then that's the accountability that really, um, you know, I don't. Most of the time, we don't want to let anyone else down. Mm. We'll we'll actually let ourselves down before we'll let anyone else down. You know, I feel I find that's a common thread. Mm. And so, certain things you can do to make like tapping out or you know not following through, you can actually make it a slippery slope. So it's it's harder not to follow through with it than it is to follow through with it. Mm. And what audacious goals have you got <laughs> coming up that you can share? Is there still what things that you... Launched a film. Uh, I've now finished it, got a beta version and we're refining it. And, um, yeah, I've just been in... I've just done like 11 days straight of editing with an, with my editor. Uh, the editor of the film, and so we've just been like, sp- I've been spending you know eight ten hours a day with him, uh, you know, and having little mini arguments of like, wow, what about this? But no, 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 this would be better. And we're like, you know, two creatives coming together, and but you know, there's often chaos in the creative process, um, but some you know, good, beautiful things can come out of that um, when you both realize that you know you have that 
we have that strong alignment with what the film's about and the vision for the film. So we'll always come back um, to that. But it doesn't mean we always you're going to agree with when you're creating something, you know. And I feel that's healthy. And are there more? Because it challenges yeah. a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. Are there more films on the horizon or was this never to be repeated? <laughs> uh, I think I'm at the never be repeated stage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll ask you in, I'll ask you next year when it's been a success and we I all know, love it. <laughs> I want to do a tour with the film um, and um, you know, to have like an online summit um, and then a retreat and stuff like that. So I want to do a whole bunch of stuff where people can come and immerse themselves you know, I feel adversity, resilience is a big thing. You know, we're all going through different stuff. And, um, you know, and sometimes we go through it silently, you know what I mean? We don't sort of share it. And you know, a lot of times we, it's because we don't know, you know, ourselves at all, um, that we're really going through this source of pain. We don't see it. But, you know, it's, I find that uh, other times it's glaringly obvious that, you know, I've got this terminal illness and, you know, it's, you know, uh, my back is stacked up against the wall, you know, or maybe it's like, I don't know how I'm going to pay the mortgage payment this month and my back is against the wall. And I need to get really resourceful. You know, it's never the lack of resources, the lack of resourcefulness. And if you really have to, and I feel that that's what the gift of diversity is, um, this is what creating resilience can do for us that, you know, when we have no other choice but to move through the problem, then that's how we see, that's when we get in touch with our own greatness because we don't have a choice. It's move forward or die. And um, when you're faced yeah. with Yeah, and it's going to happen, isn't it? We can't avoid it, no matter how much meditation yeah, and yoga we do. <laughs> yeah, right. And so you have to face it. You've got to find a way, you know. They sink or swim and, and some people don't make it unfortunately thank you so much though for sharing all your stories and your wisdom about resilience because i do feel that the more that we can share the more we can build our own resilience to get through the tough times and and also just even if we're going through those tough times just not feel so alone yeah a hundred percent hundred percent that you don't have to go through it by yourself that you are more more powerful than you realise. Mm. And you really find out in the tough times, don't we, just how powerful yeah. we can be. 100%. Yeah, that, that's oh, the gift. Thank Sometimes you. Sometimes it's wrapped in sandpaper. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I mean, I do, I like the idea of the gift and, and getting to that as quickly as possible, but I definitely don't feel it immediately in the moment every time and I, I don't think I'd appreciate it. It's somebody telling me that this is a gift as soon as something yeah. really challenging has happened. No, but No, they'll probably pop you in the nose. But, <laughs> uh, no, and that's the thing. It doesn't feel like it at a time, but I feel like the more, and this is one of the things of creating little mini adversities, that you start to, sh it becomes a mind step. You're able to actually shift quite quickly, a lot quicker um, than staying in it. You know, and that doesn't mean that you know, it may take you five years to get through it. Yeah. that your mindset's on board for those five years. Yeah. So I'd much rather have a mindset that was on board looking for a solution, working towards an end result, an end goal, um, you know, to strengthen or overcome or at least make it bearable than to be stuck in victimhood and doing nothing. Mm. Well, always me and this is why 
you know, my life spiraled out of control and, mm. you know, I'm an, an alcoholic or addicted to cocaine or whatever it may be, you know, which I could have easily done, you know, and, you know, my, my heart goes out to people that feel that they have no other choice than to do that, you know. Mm. But it's never too late to turn your life around. doesn't matter if you're, you're 15, if you're 80 or, you know, you're 40-something. You can make a change. You can uh, you can do something different. You can reinvent yourself. Mm. Thank you so much. What's the best way for people to follow you, John? Uh, would be uh, on Facebook. So, okay. um, yeah, Facebook, uh, John John R. Spender. So it's uh, there's a whole bunch of John Spenders out there. So it's John R. Spender, and. Um, yeah, that's probably the best as uh, for Facebook or through the website um, is a journey of riches.com. Uh, we have some giveaways on there as well. Um, and so you can get in touch um, through that platform as well. Thank you so much. I'll put those links in the show notes. But thank you for your time, John. It's been so good to talk to you. Likewise, Jen. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Resilience Rising podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do help people find us by hitting subscribe, leaving a review or sharing us with others. Thank you so much and see you next time on the Resilience Rising podcast.